Bibles up to Philippians chapter 3. I've entitled my message this morning, Press On Towards the Goal. And guess what the goal is? Knowing Jesus and becoming like Him. Press on towards the goal. We'll be in Philippians chapter, that's supposed to say chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Obviously, I, I used an old template and forgot to change it. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. You've probably seen this motto on a bumper sticker, probably of a car that cut you off in traffic or passed you by at a high rate of speed. What the CHP call flying fish. The Christian cars with a fish symbol on the back that speed by. What is this slogan really saying? Its intention, I suppose, is to counteract the stereotype that Christians imagine that they are morally superior to others. So it is admitting that we are flawed just like everyone else. But does the slogan send other signals as well? Are Christians just forgiven? Or have they received more from God than simply forgiveness? Its subtext seems to be saying that since Christians are forgiven, the fact that we are imperfect does not really bother us or matter to us. It's no big deal. So a motto meant to express humility could also suggest complacency. Are we complacent in our pursuit of holiness? Are we satisfied to be forgiven by God? Therefore, all is good. For the Apostle Paul, the gifts of God's amazing grace in Christ, the forgiveness of his sins, and being in right standing with God through faith in Christ made him anything but complacent. The previous text that I preached from two weeks ago described Paul's transformation when he encountered Jesus, risen from the dead on the road into Damascus, and for the first time understood the gospel. In that powerful text, Paul recited his impressive religious credentials. These included his heritage, his upbringing, and his own pursuit of righteousness through all religious means. Then, dramatically, he declared that he had counted all of these things as rubbish when compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Paul had exchanged his worthless religious achievements for the knowledge, power, righteousness, fellowship, and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some in Philippi 
might have mistakenly assumed that Paul had therefore arrived at spiritual perfection. That all he needed to do now was to coast his way to heaven. To counter such false ideas, Paul added the passage that we will look at today, which is a forceful disclaimer of his having arrived at spiritual perfection. Instead, telling us that he was still pursuing it with all his might. Though he was a new creature with a new heart, was united with Christ and had been justified by faith, had been credited with Christ's righteousness and was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, Paul was not yet perfect. He was not yet fully conformed to Christ. And he understood that his life, that the Christian life, is a lifelong process of growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of knowing Him and becoming more and more like Him. All that God had done to save Paul became a stimulant to his passion to follow God's will and pursue conformity to Christ with all of his might. Using the metaphor of running a race, Paul tells us that Christ had laid hold of him and Christ had compelled him to run with endurance the race that was set before him. The race to become like his Savior, to become like Jesus Christ. And in this passage, he calls you and I to do the same, to follow his example. So today we will look at his description of running this race, including the starting blocks, how we are to run, the goal of this race, and our need to follow his example. If you can, please stand for the reading of our text. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. May God bless the reading of his word to us. You may be seated. We start here with Paul's description of running the race in verse 12 when he says, I press on to make it my own. Running the race to become more like Christ. 
requires us first and foremost to understand and admit that we have not yet obtained the perfection that God desires in our lives. Does God desire perfection, holiness, righteousness in the lives of his people? Oh, absolutely. Have we obtained that yet? Not on your life. Not one of us. All who have trusted in the finished work of Christ for our salvation are secure in Christ and are secure in his steadfast love and we are assured of eternal life with him. That spiritual reality and promise cannot be improved upon. But we have yet to arrive at the point of perfection in Christ and we must understand and confess that as Paul does here knowing that we have not yet obtained that perfection in Christ in this life, is meant to motivate us to strive for it through all the means of grace given to us by God. One day, we shall be like Him when we see Him face to face. But in the here and now, we're called to press on to make it our own, just as Paul writes. So it begins with this awareness of our need to grow in Christ, to grow in Christ's likeness, to admit that we need that as a prerequisite for us to press on towards that goal. We, like Paul, should be motivated to pursue all that we can be in Christ now as we live for him on this planet, in these mortal bodies. Those who think they've reached spiritual perfection will not see the need to pursue holiness and righteous living. But such self-deceived and complacent people are in danger. They're in danger of becoming insensitive to their own sinfulness and blind to their own weaknesses and their own shortcomings. It is only those who are aware of their spiritual need who will then pursue sanctification, leading to holiness, that which God desires and requires of his beloved children. Once we recognize our need, we're called to be diligent to pursue it, to make it our own. Twice, Paul uses the phrase, I press on. And this is a verb that describes pursuing someone or something with the goal of grabbing a hold of it. Think of a police officer running after a criminal. He wants to catch the criminal and he wants to lay hands on him. That's the emphasis of this verb. So it is not simply running, but it's pursuing something for the purpose of taking hold of it. Paul is pressing on, not just to run, but to take hold of that which he is pursuing. Paul then, in verse 12, mentions the starting point of the race, the starting blocks, as it were. The starting blocks, we know, are what the runner pushes off from to get his start in the race. And if you don't have a good start, you're probably not going to have a good finish, right? Paul's race began 
when Jesus got hold of him. Paul writes, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So although Paul's eyes are fixed upon the prize for which he is running, his confidence that he will reach that goal is grounded in the way he started the race. Paul's race had begun through the powerful, redeeming grace of God. God the Father had chosen him for salvation. God the Son had redeemed him. And God the Holy Spirit had caused him to be born again and gave him the gift of saving faith. Does that sound familiar? This powerful, loving, divine intervention of God had propelled him forward into this race of life. Jesus Christ had become his starting blocks. Jesus had captured Paul, had apprehended him, taken hold of him. And now Paul ran to do the same, to take hold of the fullness of Christ, to apprehend total conformity to Christ. He is striving to seize Christ because Christ has already seized him. Paul then uses himself as the example to explain how we should run this race. Any one of you that have pursued any athletic endeavors at all, or maybe you're just a sports fan, and so you know those that have, you know that focused concentration is absolutely essential to achieving the goal. There must be focus. Every athlete knows that runners in a race must fix their eyes ahead of them. Those who turn to watch the crowd or turn to watch the competition are liable to trip or stumble. The wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, wrote in Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, these words. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Paul's singular focus. He describes it this way. One thing I do. One thing I do. That singular focus has two elements to it. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What does he mean by forgetting what lies behind? Well, a runner should never turn to look back. What does this mean in the life race to become like Christ? Well, Pretty simply, we have to let go of the past. We have to let go of the past. Think about this for just a second. Paul says, one thing I do, but then it seems to have two elements, right? Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on towards what lies ahead. But is it two or is it one? I say to you, it's one. 
if I were to grab a hold of this pulpit and I were to try to move forward, how far would I get? I wouldn't get very far, would I? I'm not strong enough to drag this behind me like some of you are. So I'd be pretty stuck. So letting go of what's behind and moving forward are really the same thing. We have to let go of the past, both the successes and the failures. We cannot coast into heaven based on our past achievements, and we will not run effectively by thinking about our past failures. We must let go also of past trials, tribulations, and listen to this, sins against us, grudges, sorrows, and guilts. All of these things will hold us back from making a maximum effort. It's impossible to move forward while holding on to the past. One thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the goal. Paul wants us to follow his example. Forgetting what lies behind, press on towards the goal. Strive towards the goal. Again, Paul uses this word that means to pursue with all our might. To be straining forward. The verb here describes stretching a muscle to its limit. Or a runner straining every muscle to reach the finish line, to cross the tape. You guys have seen the Olympics where the runner at the end throws himself forward so that he can be the first one across that line. That's what Paul is describing here. Paul is describing a singular focus upon Christ. And he is using every day, every fiber of his being to pursue Christ in order to finish his race well. And that is why he wrote earlier in this letter, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For Paul to live, it's to pursue Christ. It's to know Christ. Christ. It's to serve Christ. Paul is putting forth the maximum effort to achieve the goal. Well, what is that goal? Well, I've mentioned it, but let's focus on that for a minute. What is the goal of the race? What is the prize that awaits? Paul tells us the goal and the prize in verse 14. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Back in verse 12, Paul told us that he had not yet obtained something, which refers back to verses 10 and 11. Look, look back with me in our text. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Paul writes that I might know him and the power of his resurrection may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible... I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul wants to know Christ. He wants to know everything there is to know about Christ. 
He wants to know him experientially, not just theoretically. He wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection by attaining the resurrection from the dead that is promised to every true believer. He wants to fulfill his calling. And that calling is found in Christ Jesus. When we finally cross the finish line, we shall be like him when we see him face to face. In a few verses, Paul will write about this. In Philippians 3, 20 and 21, he writes, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul knows that when the believer finishes the race, we will indeed become like him when we see him face to face. Here is the ultimate goal. Here is the prize that awaits us. Sin and death finally defeated as we receive a glorified human body just like our Lord's and as we are made perfect, fully conformed to Christ for all eternity. There is a prize worth running for, worth living for, worth striving for. Paul is running his earthly race, sharing in Christ's earthly sufferings, sustained by the Spirit of Christ, with the resurrection of Jesus and his glorified state as a foretaste of the glory that is ahead for him and for all who run this marathon to the end. And listen to this, brother and sister. As we endeavor to run this race, God is using all the means of grace to sanctify us, to further conform us to the image of His Son, and to prepare us for the glory that is yet to come. It is God's will that we run this race with those purposes in mind. Paul writes about God's will for us In his letter to the Romans, in Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, we read this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's desire is that we would become more and more and more and more and more conformed to Christ as we run this race until finally when we cross the finish line, we are perfectly conformed to Christ. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15, Paul writes these words. And he, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man, of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I mean, it can't be any plainer. God's desire for each one of us is to pursue being conformed to Christ, to coming to full maturity, to becoming like the head who is Christ. So we run to cross the finish line. We run to gain the prize of becoming glorified and being made in the very image of Christ. But as we run towards that prize, God is changing us day by day through all the means of grace, through his word, through prayer, through true Christian fellowship in the church, through worship, service, and through those he has placed in our lives. Those who teach us, coach us, encourage us, and even run alongside of us. I've done a little bit of running in my lifetime. Not a lot. But I'll tell you this. When I run alone, I don't do nearly as well as when I run with someone. And God has provided us, brothers and sisters, to run alongside of. And he has also provided us with examples for us to follow. And I'm going to say to you that we must follow Paul's example. That is what Paul is calling us to do. Look at verses 15 through 17 again. Let those of us who are mature... Think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who run according to the example you have in us. I changed walk to run. Paul's appeal here is to all Christians. Yes, he's writing to the Christians in Philippi. But by God's grace, we are reading this letter that is meant for us as well. So Paul's appeal is to all Christians to think this way, as he is, confident that God will confirm to them exactly what he has told them. He believes that God will correct them through his word and by his spirit or through his disciplining them. God will do whatever is needed to motivate his beloved children to pursue the goal of being like his son. And we have the promise that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen? So like Paul, all believers should be focused upon 
making the maximum effort to be conformed to Christ, to be Christ-like ones. We're to follow his example. We're to follow those who have fixed their eyes on Christ and are running the race ahead of us. Follow the example we have in them. Persevere. Press on. Strive to lay hold of Christ who has laid hold of us. The way that Paul runs his race should challenge us. Can we honestly say, for me to live is Christ? Are we pressing on towards the goal with all our might? Are we singularly focused? Or are we distracted by other things? Perhaps looking back or looking to the left or looking to the right. Distracted by the things of this world. Those things which are temporary. Paul wants us to focus on Christ. To live for Christ. To strive after Christ. To continue to grow in grace and knowledge. To become more and more and more like Christ. He's calling us to run the race like you're running alongside of him. Or alongside of Jesus. Jesus is with you in this race. He is with me in this race. And he will help you. If you will only ask him to. You see the bumper sticker was only partly true. Christians are not just forgiven. The forgiveness that sets us free from our guilt and fear is a priceless treasure. It is the free gift of God's grace given to us at the starting line of our race. By our trusting in Jesus for our salvation. By placing that gift in our hands at the start, God fires up our desire for every other gift of his grace that he plans to give to us throughout our race until he brings us across the finish line and we receive the prize of being fully like him. And as we know, this race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I've never run a marathon. I've watched a few of them on TV. And I'll tell you what, those marathon runners are very grateful for those along the way that give them water to drink and food to eat. God does that for us gives us grace for our race. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's there to supply what we need. But we need to be running the race. So if you have been seized by Jesus, if you've been taken captive by his love and grace, then run for him And run to him. He is with us. He will empower us. And he will receive us to himself at the finish line. 
And we long to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Amen. Let us run. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to be reminded that the Christian life is not just a stroll in the park. It is a race. It is a marathon. And Father God, you want your people to pursue your son. He is not simply the source of our salvation. He is the goal of our salvation. We live for him, for his glory. We have been bought with a price. We have become servants of you, the most high God. And you've given us our assignment. Live for Christ. Run after Christ. Finish the race. Receive the prize. I pray, Father God, that you will help each one of us to do exactly what you've called us to do. And I know that you will. Because you've promised, Father God, that if you have begun a good work in us, you will be faithful to complete it. Help us to be willing to do what you've called us to do. To live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, uh, before we close with our last song, we actually have to say goodbye to one of our...